This week's reading for Resurrection of Our Lord Sunday, also known as Easter Sunday, comes out of Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and then he went home amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of our Lord. May the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Today, as I am recording this, I was on Twitter. Imagine that. Twitter reminded me of something. It reminded me that we are now in mid-April, and this is the time when one of my favorite TV shows comes back for a new season. Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch, which focuses in on the crabbing, the crabbing industry up around Alaska in the Bering Sea. It's been on for a long, long time. I appreciate this show. I've long watched it. But here's the thing. Every year when the season wraps up, I kind of forget about it and I kind of stop thinking about it until about this time when I start to wonder, oh, I wonder if it's coming back for a new season. As I sat and realized that it was coming back, I got to thinking about the last season of TV, and specifically the Red King Crab season. Now, in last year's season, season 17, they talked about how the Red King Crab season, or the fishing industry, was in danger because of population, because of environmental conditions, but also because of the whole COVID pandemic thing. They weren't quite sure how things would turn out, and there was a danger that moving forward from the 2020 fall season, as they looked ahead to the 2021 season, that it would be in danger of being shut down. And I found out that sure enough, that has happened. And this was present when I realized that the show was coming back on. And as I was scanning through Twitter, there was actually a trailer for this new season that came up. And it focuses in on this, this reality, this fact that happened you know, last fall, that that king crab season was canceled. And here's how the trailer starts. Black screen, simple white script pops up. King is dead. And then you hear the various individuals who are involved with the show talking about this new reality that they got to figure out how to survive, how to keep their business going, how to, to keep things afloat, if you'll pardon the pun, in the reality the king is dead. 
Now, as I sat there thinking about this and also trying to wrap my head around the, this message that I'm giving to you right now, it seemed kind of fitting that I would see this today because with the addition of one simple word, the king is dead, we find ourselves at the beginning of today's story. But before we can really get into it, we have to back up just a little bit to the events which have occurred in Jesus' time over the course of the past few days. Thursday night, the day of the Last Supper, the night of the Last Supper, Jesus sits down with his disciples for this last opportunity to be with them. He knows what's about to happen. Jesus washes their feet. He takes the, the position of being a servant, and he tells them, love one another as I have loved you, and serve one another as I have served you. And in addition, he also takes two very simple things. He takes bread, and he takes wine, two everyday items. And he institutes something new with what we call Holy Communion. This is my body, it is broken for you. This is my blood, and it's a new covenant that is shed for you and for all people do this for the remembrance of me. That happened Thursday night. And immediately after that dinner, after that time spent together, they went out of the city of Jerusalem. They went to a garden and it was there that Jesus was betrayed. Judas betrayed him, brought soldiers. Jesus is arrested and the rest of the disciples all freak out and run away. Jesus is alone and he's put on trial. And the next day he is tortured. And he is condemned to death, and not just any death, he's condemned to death on the cross. Death on the cross was a Roman idea. It was a Roman practice that was intended to be an example that anyone who stands up against the Roman Empire, anyone who defies the Roman Empire will die in this brutal, brutal, torturous fashion. And that happened on Friday. Jesus is, is arrest, or he's arrested Thursday, he's put on trial Friday, he's tortured, and he's hung on the cross, and at the end of the day, he dies. Now remember, the disciples are all gone, but there were witnesses to all of this. The women. The women stood by watching. They witnessed his torture. They witnessed his death, and they witnessed where his body was laid. Now, the timing of all of this is important, and it factors into our, the beginning of our story today. Jesus dies towards the end of the day on Friday. Now, in the Jewish understanding, the day does not end at midnight. The day ends at sundown. So at sundown on Friday, which is when Jesus' body is wrapped in the, in the burial cloths and he's placed inside the tomb and the stone is rolled in front of it, that happened right at the end of the day as the sun's going down. And that begins the day of Saturday and Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath when they could not work. They could not take the action of anointing his body to prepare it for burial. They have to wait all the way through Saturday. And by sundown on Saturday, when the Sabbath is over, now it's too dark and they can't see. So at first light on Sunday, first light on the first day of the week after the Sabbath, this is their first opportunity to go and do this action, to take this action, to give this final gift to their rabbi, to their Lord, to the man that they loved, to do this for Jesus, to anoint his body. This is where we find the women as today's story picks up on their way to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared that they will use to anoint his body. 
When they arrive, they find that giant stone that was blocking the tomb, making sure nothing would get in and out. They find it rolled away, and I can only imagine how confusing that is for them. And it's probably a little bit scary, and this must add to their overarching mood, which was, could not have been good. I'm sure they were sad. I'm sure they were scared. I'm sure they were confused and worried and mourning, all of these things. And now they have this confusing idea that the stone is rolled away. And so the women step up to the entryway of the tomb and they peek inside expecting to see the body of Jesus because it was there. They witnessed it. They saw it. They knew it was there. And now it's not. All that's left behind is the cloth that he had been wrapped in, but there's no body. And I can only imagine that this just added to their confusion. Where is his body? What is going on? As the women stand there, apparently scratching their heads, suddenly out of nowhere, these two men in dazzling clothes show up, which we assume to be angels. They're not called angels, but we assume that they are. And as per usual, the appearance of angels seems to be somewhat freaky, and the women get terrified by the presence of the angels, and they bow down to the ground, but the angels are not there to frighten them. They are not there to harm them. They are there to bring a message, and their message begins with a question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has been raised. Remember how he told you he would be handed over, he would be betrayed, he would be killed, but on the third day he would rise again. This is the message, this reminder of Jesus' own words, of Jesus' own prediction, and now the reality that he's not dead, he has risen. With this, it's like a light bulb goes off for the women, and they joyfully remember Jesus' words. They accept this testimony of the angels and they believe it. This spark of faith, this spark of belief in what Jesus had told them and in what they are now experiencing, all of that sparks off for them and they joyfully believe it. Now the women know this is not something that we can just sit on. We have to share this news. And so they run off to where they know that the rest of the group is, where the apostles are hiding, where the disciples are. And it seems that it's not just those 11 disciples, though they are of course there, but it's the entire group, which at times we hear is like 120 people, that they're all sort of gathered together. They're all in hiding despite the fact that the women were actually going to do something, everybody else is in hiding. And the women come in and they joyfully share this message that they have received. Jesus is not there. The tomb is empty. The angels told us he has been risen or he has raised. And remember, he told us this. He told us this not once, not twice, but three times he told us that he would be killed and that he would raise again. It's all true. And the disciples kind of dropped the ball don't they? I always have to kind of laugh at this. They considered what the women told them, what Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other unnamed women who are with them. They considered it an idle tale, which folks, an idle tale is a really nice English translation for calling it something that you don't want to step in if you're in the bullpen, if you catch my drift. They don't believe it. They cannot wrap their heads around it. They think the women are just off their rockers. The only apparent exception isn't a very good one, but it's Peter. Peter thinks, well, maybe I should go check this out. And so he jumps up and he heads off to the tomb himself. He also finds the tomb 
empty and open, and he pokes his head in, and all he sees is the left-behind burial cloths like the women had found. And we hear he leaves confused about what's going on. And that's the end of the story, at least for the moment. Folks, this is a strange, strange, strange situation. And I have to kind of laugh at the disciples, the ones that you would think would be the ones who were really on top of things, but they weren't. They have been dropping the ball for the last several days. They fled when Jesus was arrested. They're hiding when he's being tortured. They're not around when he dies, and they're not around now. They're still in hiding. But the women, despite their fear, despite the danger that was perhaps posed against them, they're the ones who take action. And folks, I think we have a lot to learn from the women given this situation, given this story, because we have a lot in common with them. The women, despite their doubts, despite their fears, despite their concerns, are willing to take action. They are willing to step out and take action for the one that they loved. But as they go and do that, they receive this message that Jesus is no longer dead, he is alive. They witness the empty tomb, but they don't witness the risen Jesus. Did you notice that? In some of the other gospel stories, Jesus shows up. In this one, the women don't see them. They don't see Jesus. And we don't even know if they're present when the risen Lord shows up later on in the story. It's ambiguous if the women ever see the risen Jesus, though it stands to reason they probably did. But they don't see Jesus. All they have is this message from the angels, the tomb is empty, he has risen. And then the reminder, remember he told you this, and they have that lesson that Jesus had given them several times in advance, and we have that in common. Folks, it's been 2,000-ish odd years since the risen Jesus ascended to heaven, so it stands to reason we have not seen the risen Jesus either. The women didn't see him, neither have we. But we have received the message that the tomb is empty, that he is somehow alive. He was dead, but he's not dead any longer. We have received that message. And likewise, we also have the teaching of Jesus' prediction of this from the scriptures. They are described there. So we have basically the same proof, if you want to use that word, that the women had. We have the message and we have Jesus' own teaching. We have not seen the risen Lord, neither have they. But that did not stop them from going and sharing the message with others. The joy, the hope, the faith in the resurrected Lord was too much for them to sit on, and they went out and shared it, and we are called to do the same thing. We have received the message. We have Jesus' teachings. We have been told the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, and we are also called to share that. I love this message. I love this example that we have from our heroes, the women in the story. Without them, there would be no news of the resurrection. Let us never downplay their importance. And let us never forget their example. Now the story, of course, does not end here. It goes on. The resurrected Lord does start to show up, and we will continue to hear about that in our upcoming weeks, in our upcoming stories. But for right now, all we know is the same message that the women have. The tomb is empty. Somehow death did not hold him. This is a new reality. And it makes me think 
of that strange message that I got from Deadliest Catch. King is dead, and now we got to figure out a new reality. But for us, the king was dead, but now he's, not, he's alive. He was dead, now he's alive. And that in itself is a new reality, a reality where death doesn't get the last word. God does. And a reality in which we have been promised through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we will somehow be included in that. This is the gospel. This is what that empty tomb means. May we follow the example of the women and bear that same news out into this world. Amen.